0: Welcome to the Restoration Pros Unplugged Podcast. In each episode, we're going to bring you insightful interviews and discussions with top restoration industry leaders. We're also going to delve into their business, the strategies that made them successful, and most importantly, the valuable lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Clayton James. I'm also the Chief Marketing Officer at Water Restoration Market. We're a digital marketing agency dedicated to helping restoration companies nationwide secure more high-value water jobs. Now, this show it aims to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need to excel in the restoration industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Restoration Pros Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, Clinton James. I'm also the Chief Marketing Officer over at Water Restoration Marketing. Uh, it's my pleasure today to be joined by Keith Lewis. Keith, thanks for being on. Thanks, Clint. Appreciate it. Now, Keith is the owner of a few businesses in the restoration space. Um, the one we're going to be talking to about, uh, the one we're going to be talking about today, is the restoration entrepreneur. So, Keith, do you want to give the audience an idea of the services? that the Restoration Entrepreneur provides. Sure, sure. So, Restoration Entrepreneur is a
1: 12-year-old company. um, They originally started coaching just TPA. Uh, And over the last three years, my partner and I, Corey Hancock, have grown into pretty much every facet of the restoration business. Uh, We have different levels of coaching, basically based on time. We've got an entire syllabus, but uh, we don't stick hard and fast to the syllabus. We let The client drive, the conversation, we answer as many questions as possible, but we always have a goal. You know, it's helping people with organic marketing, helping people with marketing in general, uh, general overall, building a business. Uh, We've got a lot of new guys that come to us that want to start from scratch. We've got a lot of guys with 10, 15, and 20 years experience that want to build up their books for sale or they just need help. They're in a rut, but we can take you in many different directions.
0: Okay. Um, give us a little bit about your personal journey. How the hell did you end up in the restoration industry?
1: (laughs) So, uh, I've been in construction restoration for 20 years and three years ago, um, I wanted to add something on and I actually ran into Jack Dennison, who's the former retired owner of the restoration entrepreneur. He started this, as I said, 12 years ago. Um, but Jack was specifically in one area that was building TPA. He would help guys get on TPAs, which are third-party administrators. And that's all he did. Then Corey and I took the business over. Uh, Jack retired. And we kept saying, you know, guys are asking us a lot of questions. Like, you know, I need to hire a sales guy. What should I do? Or we're having problems with email marketing or AdWords. What should I do? So we just started to add a course on uh, just different lectures or different opportunities. So instead of guys working with us for three months to get on doing TPAs. A lot of guys have literally been on with this from day one. Uh, some guys come on for five or six months and go on their way and learn what they need to learn. Uh, some guys have us on a consultancy. It all depends on what the client needs. We just have to really help them get to the next level successfully. And then it's up to them. You know, A lot of guys have been with us a long time because we might start off with an organic marketing program. Then they grow a little bit. They need a salesperson. We help them with that. Then they start hiring more people. Um, You know, Corey and I have been in the industry a long time. We have job descriptions ready to go. What type of people fit that match the best? Like perfect example of salespeople. You know, we have an outline for what's best for somebody. um, We don't like to hire, always hire people that have resto backgrounds. So we have different types of candidates with different types of personalities and say, if you see this kind of guy, take them. They're good. We've seen them do well. So we help them cater to their own needs and, and hire specific people for specific positions. Keep going after that, you know, might be marketing. Um, we also do site, work, you know, um, for example, right now, we've got a guy that's in Texas, got a $450,000 buyer job. Uh, he's been a contractor for a long time, but he's only been in resto for like a year. Um, had a lot of different unique characteristics, very expensive home, you know, almost a half million dollar resto job. Uh, the home was spray foam, also had a lot of stone on the interior, so... They were doing a lot of things internally. We came up with a plan that worked with the foam supplier on how to remediate the foam, how to encapsulate what was there, how to put it back, just a lot of different things like that. So we'll work with somebody too. You know, you pick up a big job, whether it's residential or commercial, and you might have oversold the job a little bit, which we all do, but then we help you quote it properly and get that job positioned correctly to make good margin, but also do the right thing, get it, get it taken care of correctly so that you make it through inspections and everything needs code and everything meets the requirements by the insurance company.
0: Since you were physically located in Florida, and uh, Corey, I believe, is located in what, Tennessee? Yeah. Okay. So how do you guys handle working with a restoration company on a project remotely? Is it a lot of phone calls? Is it a lot of Zoom meetings? It's a lot of phone calls, And um, Believe it or not, we, we've done business in
1: every one of the 50 states, and right now we've got a lot of clients in California. Texas. Uh, for some reason, we have a bunch up in the Minnesota, Minneapolis area. Uh, and then we've got people all over the country. We have a couple of guys white. Um, and basically what it breaks down to is this. Every once in a while, Corey will go out and see you guys. Um, typically, I do everything, since it's mostly marketing that I handle, over the phone and Zooms. Okay. But uh, Corey has really done a great job, especially with newer guys. So we have somebody that, for example, and we'll get into this more on you know who fits the best with the program. But we have a lot of carpet cleaners that come to us, a lot of plumbers that see the profitability because they're sourcing jobs for resto guys for so many years, right? And and finally they realize why am I sending this stuff out? You know, I'm giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars, but what do I do? That's where we enter. You know, we'll help you through it with with um, procedures, with personnel just with general questions and back to original question, you know, um, we have somebody up in in um the Minnesota area, came to us as a plumber. He's grown his business significantly over the last couple of years. And what he would do, and this is where Corey started it all, he'd he'd literally close a deal, he'd get a lead from you guys, for example. Yeah. You know, they would get a lead that comes in, say, he'd call Corey, say, Corey, Got Elite. We got, you know, we got some water damage in this customer's house. Go to the house, meet and greet the customer, say hey, thank you, and literally say if the customer's there, hey, do you mind if I get my my office manager on the phone? No, no problem. Corey gets on, he's the office manager, walks him through the whole job. They FaceTime, use a video camera, walk through, oh, look what we have over here. You know, we've got some water intrusion here. Maybe we've got some mold there. This is what we've got going on, and then they'll literally talk with the homeowner in the room say, you know, you need this much drawing equipment or, you know, this is what we need as far as the technical aspect of the job. We could help you with your insurance if you'd like us to. We are we're here for that as well. Then basically he'll walk out, get in the truck, and say, all right, Corey, what do I need to do? You need to do an estimate for this, this, and this, submit it to the client, go back to the customer, you know, keep me on speed dub. You need me. But he'll go in as the office manager or one of the managers and help literally sell the job on the site with the client. And after you do that three or four times, you've got really good footing of what needs to be done. And of course, if you run into something that's a little bit heavier, then, you know, get Corey on FaceTime, say, hey, hang on, let me call my office manager. And then Corey will come in and literally do stand there, Corey, the client, the homeowner and say, okay, this is what we need to do, Corey will sell the job. And then after doing that half a dozen or, you know, 10 times, these guys learn how to do it. And then, you know, they'll mess up a couple, call Corey with questions, but- we kind of release into the wild, Then, you know, oh, you take this one. If you have any questions, call me from your trap. Or, hey, if you
0: really run into something difficult, call me right on site. And then that way we know what we need to do. So Corey really, in essence, uh, for you, for the marketing and operation stuff, but Corey, when it comes to being on site, servicing, selling jobs, he really becomes an extension of your client's restoration business there. Yeah. He's available to them. From what I've heard, he's, he's available pretty much 24-7. To the client, you got to work with the 10
1: p.m. and 11 p.m. calls. But if, <laughs> if it's a good opportunity, Corey won't care, man. He will right. care. If it's 10 o'clock at night and it's a hotel, he, you know, he, he wakes up with uh, bells on his feet.
0: All right. So in terms of services, you guys are helping the new restoration company, the guy that's transitioning maybe from a different niche, whether it's plumbing, um, uh, carpet cleaning and upholstery and so on. Um, what level of service do you primarily start those clients with versus what levels of service do you traditionally start an existing uh, restoration company that might be more established and might already have the experience necessary to sell and uh, and deliver on the actual restoration?
1: So we're about 60% of people that have experience, but have only been in the business from zero to a year. Okay. So well, carpet cleaners, contractors that want to transition, plumbers, people that- I don't know why, but we've had several people go through the course that were former uh, financial guys. Uh, they were accountants. And we have a gentleman named Dan up in the Minneapolis area. Cold turkey, never lifted a hammer in his life. He'd uh, done taxes for so long, he wanted to get in the restoration industry and start a Mitt company. And we were like, man, you're crazy. Like, just start to make <laughs> the You have zero experience. You know, we all know how competitive MIT is anyway. And um, he said, no, I want to do it. Eventually, we talked him into adding, um, you know, the rebuilt side, which he supped out. Um, and Dan was with us for quite a while. And he was just a really natural, comfortable person in front of people. But ironically, like, you know what you do. We refer a lot of people to you. We really like the Google Ads model. However, he was really good. He had no problem getting up at six o'clock in the morning and going to plumbing supply houses and calling on plumbers. And to this day, that guy has a book of business with plumbers. He would go Christmas, he would spend several thousand dollars on bourbon, give all his best customers bottles of bourbon, like just a really good people person, create a lot of relationship, relationships. And I mean, the last time we spoke to Dan, just in a business sense, he coached with us for I think eight months. And then he started really getting the hang of it. Very fast learner. And we still keep in touch. I call him all the time with things about marketing because he's so creative and we bounce ideas off of each other. Awesome. But interestingly enough, I mean, I think his business now, I don't even think he's been in business
0: two years. And I think he's over 2 million already. He started cold turkey with an accounting background. Well, that that kind of segues into my next question for you. How, who is your ideal candidate for either a, a person new into the restoration business or someone that's a little bit more established that, I don't know, maybe they're looking to take their business to the next level. So can you- Kind of describe the average uh, or the ideal client avatar of you guys. I, I hate to say both,
1: but so we had so many great young guys that came in as plumbers, carpenters, and things like that. They did super well. For us, they are the best success stories. Okay. But we have, um, we have a company in New Jersey. It's well over 3 billion. They're on a permanent consultancy with us. They just Keep us on all the time, and meet with Corey and I twice a month. Yeah, um, we have another client that just rolled on. They're in North Carolina. Uh, two best friends, resto guys. They're in the Research Triangle Park area. Yeah. Okay. I believe they're over seven billion. Wow. And about six months ago, they kind of just said, "We love you guys, but like we're there. Like we don't we don't need your calls. Like we we love it, but you know." we'd really like to just move on now, you know? Like, That's a great success story. I know, I know. <laughs> and then we we almost went into business with them. Like, we were that time with those guys where we were looking at starting other locations, but it's two guys, in the end, they were literally uh, setting up the business for potential sale. And right now, every day, Corey and I are waiting to get the phone call that they sold the private equity. So I know they're going to be cashing out soon. Uh, I just don't know how soon. So, you know, it's just, we have everything from several million to guys that have a truck and two drying,
0: drying pieces, of drying equipment. So everything in between. There is a, uh, a a huge amount of private equity money moving into the restoration space. Yes. I did an interview with uh, a longtime client of mine named Scott Whitaker. He owns the restoration one in Spokane, Washington. Um, he just recently sold about eighty five percent of his business into uh, into a private equity firm. They uh, they they are retaining him. I'm sure he's got a very nice, cushy salary to go with that. And this family is set for life. So, um, All right, so we've talked about the guys that have entered the program. They've ran with it. They've had great success. Um, Some of them are still with you. Some of them have kind of moved on and kind of growing their business uh, on their own. Um, Let's talk about pitfalls, though, because not everybody is successful when they get into the restoration space. So what do you think are some of the biggest pitfalls that new restoration companies fall into that keep them from getting going, getting successful, getting consistent work coming in? They're not willing to talk to... A consultant or a coach? Okay. Um, I
1: see this a lot on the resto side, but you know we own an estimating company too. And there's people that call us every single day with questions. And I'm like, dude, just jump in the coaching course. Or we even offer kind of ad hoc coaching. You come in with a $400,000 job and you're in on you know over your head. You may not even be a client of ours, but you come in and say, hey, will you work with me on this one deal? I want to get paid. I want to make sure the insurance company pays me at the end because we've all heard our stories where- Somebody gets you a $300,000 job and they get a $60,000 check. So we'll even work ad hoc on a project, but we've got to help people get out of their own way. And we're, we're very affordable. You know, it's not like it's an expensive task, but um, I've got plenty of guys that call me with questions that won't jump in the course. And, you know, if it's a very small percentage of the deal in the low thousands of dollars and it's a $400,000 deal, I mean, are you really losing anything, you know? If you mess up the deal, you stand to lose a whole hell of a lot more than fifteen hundred bucks, you know? So that that's the biggest problem is getting guys to understand. And I think, I mean, our track record is phenomenal. I mean, over the years, we've lost two customers, one of which was for somebody that grew too much. Other people just get to the end and just say, Hey, you know, I'm I'm good for now. You know, I'll call you guys back with questions, which were like, hey, call me anytime. You know, I'm not gonna say, Hey, I need your credit card. You call us with questions after you go through a course. By all means, me or Corey are going to answer your question to the best of our ability. Um, but a lot of guys just need to be willing to work and learn other methods. You know, it's there's so much out there, so much organic marketing to get guys bigger, um, employee retention, hiring new people. Um, I think a lot of people tend to hire too fast uh, once before they really understand what they need. Especially for managers. Um, that's another area. I mean, occasionally we've seen guys hire people and do well with them, but I think for the most part, you have to be careful, especially right now. It seems like the last several people we've seen hired got sign on bonuses, got company cars, got salaries that we, Corey and I, rejected and said that's way too much. But, you know, guys are trying to get good people and they feel like they need to pay it, which is sometimes the case, but other times, You know, I just feel like some guys are uh, too enthusiastic.
0: Okay. So making sure that you hire systematically, making sure that you're bringing on not just the right people, but at the right time. Um, Because if you're bringing people on and that overhead, you don't have the revenue to justify that overhead. That overhead will cripple a brand new business there.
1: So here's a perfect example. Probably office, just just managers in general, but probably one of the biggest ones that we feel like people make mistakes are hiring sales. Yeah. As they either go way too low in experience or way too low in enthusiasm, or they hire somebody that's predominantly salary. And We all know how that is. Yeah. Um, but here's a little inside curl that Corey and I joke about. But we just had somebody, um, they're in Northern California, uh, really sizable business. I think they're around three billion, family-owned business. Uh, the mother runs the show, and they're asking on hiring a salesperson, which we were like, absolutely, you need a salesperson. They have people internally that are kind of ad hoc salespeople. Okay. they kind of sell. They'll do other things within the office. They might go out of the field and they're like, well, what's his type? Is he supposed to be a salesperson? Because if he's not on the phone all the time and not out in front of insurance companies and clients, then he's not really a salesperson. And she'd rather move him to something more technical, at which point she asked us for a job description we provide. We have seven different job descriptions we gave her one. And Corey and I were both like, go find somebody that used to be a car and she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we're like, trust. If you have somebody that has any technical ability, those guys are like bulldog hungry. If just make sure they understand construction, but if they've had the sales training in cars or used cars, they're not going to be afraid of working with commission. Right. They're going to be bulldogs and they're going to come in every day and they're going to put in an oddest eight or nine hour day. And they're going to love the money they make in resto compared. To- well, so that's just one of the little things that we've done. It does yes. Does it work? 98% of the time, can you get a bad apple? Sure. But in our experience,
0: Corey and I love car guys. All right. All right. So in terms of best practices, uh, one, obviously don't be afraid to hire a coach, uh, hire a consultant, get in a room with someone that knows this industry and knows how to grow your business better than you do, right? Yeah. Uh the second thing is is when you're hiring, uh hiring hire strategically. And then your point about salespeople. Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned folks coming out of the car industry. So that's an industry that's kind of up in the air right now, right? <laughs> Based yeah. on a bunch of different factors. So um, are there any other best practices besides hiring and besides uh, uh, finding yourself a good coach or somebody that can kind of mentor you uh, through starting a restaurant? Are there any other best practices that you can suggest for new restoration companies that are looking to get off the ground?
1: Right now, it's, it's growth and um, being persistent with organic marketing. That's your own community and your own network. Um, We all feel very strongly internally that you've got to not work your own network as in your family and friends. It's not what I'm talking about. But you need to get out in the community. Um, You need to get in front of a lot of plumbing supply houses. Um, You need to have your act together with repeated follow up visits with insurance companies. You need to have your organic marketing on point and getting out there in front of those clients to have that first initial phase of your business working all the time. Then once you have some of that coming in, we feel like the AdWords like you enforce that. And that's when you really start to
0: scale and grow. Right, And that's when you really start to explore. Well, the, the one of the things that I really like about your clients, because you in the past, you've referred to quite a few of your restoration clients our way. So we do appreciate that business. But I know that there's things that I don't have to worry about when it's one of your clients. I don't have to worry about them not answering the right? I don't have to worry about when they answer the phone if they know how to handle a phone call, get the right information, ask the right questions. Those are things that I just don't have to worry about with you. Whereas when I bring a guy that's brand new into the restoration industry, they don't understand the value of making sure they answer that call. Whether it's at seven o'clock at night or seven o'clock in the morning, um, they need to answer those calls, especially when it comes to paper quick. Because if somebody's calling you, you don't answer the phone. They're not leaving a message and patiently waiting for you to get back. They're just going onto their browser, hitting the back button, and calling the next restoration company that comes up there. So, um, all right. So everybody's got their I've got my favorite clients. And I'm sure you got your favorite clients that you've worked with in the past. Give me one really good success story. Um, besides the two uh the two guys that uh that that uh, are doing seven million plus in the Carolinas there, give me that really good success story from a client that you really you took from zero to a hundred. Uh, and it's just really been a, a, a great experience for both you, you and the client. Here, I'll sh- I'll show you. Watch,
1: watch. Let's see if he's there. He left me a voicemail this morning. <laughs> Delmar, hey man, I'm on a Z- I'm on a Zoom call, so don't say anything bad. <laughs> All right. So we we're talking about our marketing. Remind me again, dude. How long have you been with us? Uh, last So when when you when you came to us, what was your revenue? I wasn't doing anything at that point. I was raised. What what was your background when you came to us? Construction or what were you actually in? Yeah, so um, I had a background in uh, Project management, Bad and I had a GD license, but it was like really hard to find out. Okay. So, yeah. So, right now, like, what's your revenue right now and what are you on target to do this year? So, I'm at like... Uh uh-huh. Uh, I have about four hundred k uh estimates. That I just got approved, so I can, if I can do all those jobs this year, I can be close to a million, or I can be around 700, wow. cloud. hundred thousand. All right. What what part of Atlanta are you in again? I can't remember. Uh, we're, we're in like the
0: area. area okay. Work around sixty mile radius of Atlanta. Okay. Cool. All
1: right, dude. I'll give you a call later, man. I appreciate your help. Uh, yeah, I, look, I later, dude.
0: Man, that is awesome. When idea in revenue uh, yeah. last August, he's going to do probably seven figures this year, it sounds like, if he can get the work done. If he can get the work done.
1: But that's why, see, like uh, I really like the new guys because when they listen to us, I hate it because we sound like a get-rich-quick scheme, but like you could pretty much be six hundred, six or 700000 end of year one pretty easily. Okay. It gives you an idea. And then if you're existing and you're already at, say, Six hundred thousand to a million, you could easily tack on another seven hundred to a million on top of what you're doing in
0: like eight to nine months. That's the kind of growth these guys are looking for. I know because I talk to them day in and day out, and they're looking to scale from doing four or five jobs a month to doing you know ten to twelve jobs.
1: A month. Well, here what we didn't talk about is we're going to help with organic marketing. Okay, if they're fully licensed and properly licensed, we have everything that you're doing plus. We can help guys get on TPAs. So they're getting jobs right from the insurance companies. And then once they're doing TPA business, um, Corey, who's an exceptional guru with TPAs, they have POM scores, which are the performance operation metric scores. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys that are on TPAs don't realize that there's you're being graded on. It. And Corey is like a savant with the grading system. He helps guys keep their grades right so they keep getting more or taking business away from other contractors that don't have as good a grade for them. So Corey, I love you to keep your, your scores up to continue getting business from insurance companies, which also helps when they're getting business from you and it's the same insurance company. That way we can get the estimates going, we can get the jobs through faster. When those are some of the same insurance companies, it's a win-win. So we're helping you get business organically, your AdWords, your TPAs, and, you know, that that what that creates is almost like a 401k, where when this side of the industry is down, you're getting business here. When this is slowed down a little bit, you're still getting business here. So in my opinion, I love to use to the 401k analogy, there's always part of your portfolio that's going to keep the lights on and keep paying your employees. So you're always going to have
0: different areas that that are cash flowing, sometimes more than others, but it keeps you consistent. I have clients that uh, tell me all the time, oh, I'd love to get away from doing that much TPA work. And I tell them, hold on a second. The TPA work is the reason that that guy is not washing trucks and sweeping shop floors all day. Uh, he's actually out in the field and he's doing work.
1: But you can also, you could be more selective with TPA and you can get to a point where you're getting better than the typical, say you're only getting seven to $10,000 crap jobs. Okay. That's where your palm score comes in. And certain- different TPAs, which again, this is Corey's suit. He can say, you could drop that TPA, but stay here. And then let's work on your POM score to help you get your revenue up with that particular TPA. It's not always that easy, but it is available. And then we can say streamline that or make it more efficient to get your numbers
0: out in those areas if need be. All right. A lot of value, obviously, the restoration entrepreneur can provide to anybody in the restoration space, whether they're just looking to start a restoration business, whether in that first year and they need to kind of get onto the right track, or you're a guy that's been in the business for a decade and just need to kind of shore up your processes and get your revenue to the next level so you can prepare for an exit. Um, Tell folks how they would go about contacting you if they're interested in having a conversation about working. It's easy. www.growmyresto.com.
1: That's growmyresto.com. The phone number is plastered all over the website, and you can always email me, keith at growmyresto.com.
0: Okay. We got a fancy video guy that'll drop that information on there so everybody else. Will... That's fine. That's fine. Keith, I really appreciate you jumped on. We're going to do a second part to this interview for those that are interested, talking about another business that Keith's involved with. Um, which is estimate uh, Estimation Pros, right? Correct. Right. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a second. But for those that uh, that stuck around, thanks for listening. Um, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe. The Restoration Pros Unplug. We'll be back with some additional interviews, insight with restoration entrepreneur professionals like my guy Keith here. Um, until then, folks, stay safe, stay dry, and stay busy. Thank you all. Thanks, Keith. Thank you for listening to the Restoration Pros Unplugged podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, share, and also leave us a five-star review. We'll be back with more interviews and discussions with restoration industry leaders really soon. In the meantime, if you're a restoration company looking to add more high-value water jobs, you can reach me and my team at waterrestorationmarketing.net. Again, that's waterrestorationmarketing.net. I look forward to hearing from you soon.